afternoon. Hello. Hey, Jay, how you doing, pal? I'm well, man. How are you? Well, good. After a brief hiatus, we have returned yes. to do uh, a great episode of, of Looking Through the Glass Onion. So if you're listening to us driving, keep your eyes on the road. If you're out walking, you know, take a breath. Look up. Look around you. You see the birds <laughs> up in the sky? We're talking about a song off of Revolver today. Uh, surely one of the best Beatle records. I'm, I'm thinking of... Well, you know what? I'll save that part of it. This, this song has jangly harmonizing guitars, great harmonies, smoking bass line. Mm-hmm. Like, truly one of Paul's rockinest bass lines. Uh, reminiscent of Paperback Writer and Dage. I mean, it's got all that cool stuff in there. It's very Taxman. Kind of mysterious lyrics that, uh, yeah. and when we get into the deep dive, we'll f- kind of unravel what that's all about. So I lay all of that out to tell you that John Lennon said about this song that it was a horror <laughs> and a throwaway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like course. a lot of songs that John hates. Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> he couldn't stand the song, and after revisiting it, uh, it's truly one of our favorites. I know as a band, this is one that we all talk about all the time. It's one of the most fun songs to play, the most difficult song to play live. I had like seven recordings of us doing it, and I tanked every single one of them. Oh, I, it's, it's I'll be awesome. honest. I've never played it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I might have hit 90% one time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's yeah. still it's, a, it's a, a run I never, I never nail. It's a hard song. Um, and Your Bird Can Sing yeah. is the one we're talking about. Love this song. I remember uh, like the big Beatles Christmas was 9909. Remember that's kind of when Beatles rock band came out? Oh, sure, out. yeah, yeah. And then they re-released uh, re- all these re- remastered versions of Beatles songs. And on this song, I'd never heard the hand claps because they were kind of buried in all of the mixes that I'd heard. Mm-hmm. And really, this was one that was like, man, the kick sounds amazing when they fix that. You can really hear those hand claps. And that, that's when I really kind of discovered this song. I mean, I knew it before, but really kind of hearing it for the first time in 09 when they re-released it, it's, man, really one of my favorite songs. What are your thoughts on this one, bud? <laughs> I, uh, well, I just listened to the anthology version again oh, this morning, gosh. and I was giggling like a little schoolgirl. <laughs> it was so great. and and It's so it, contagious. It's not lost on me that they recorded that song, that version of the song, on April 20th. And so yeah. I don't know if that I don't know if that was a thing back in the '60s, but I I, I noticed that today, and I was like, wow, they're they're yeah. they're high f- singing that it, song. It freaking sounds like it. <laughs> Before we even get started, I want to talk about that anthology two version of this song. If if you know Andrew Bird can sing, you, I mean, you know what it sounds like. The Beatles recorded a different version of the song, similar lyrics, similar guitar parts, except it was in a different key Mm -hmm. and it felt completely different. I listened to it today, Jay, without them laughing. There's like a recording out there without them messing around. Oh, where? I need to hear that. It it was just on YouTube. You do have to hear it. It is, the song is equally as good as what they ended up releasing. It sounds like the birds. Um, Yeah, that Rick 12 string is amazing. It sounds, yeah, and he's got it capoed on the second fret, and he's playing this, like, little C thing, and it just sounds so cool. The guitar solo, in some ways, sounds cooler because they kind of split apart. It's not as well thought out. Right, um, right. It, it it's like us playing it. Like it's it, <laughs> it is. until it, one of us messes up and we're like bend. <laughs> 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 That's exactly what it is. 
But they have this part in it where they stop. You can't see me. Oh, yeah. That's part of the song, man. It is. I like that version better, actually. I do too, man. And we're going to put that in our version, that breakdown, because it is, they really missed the boat not taking that part and putting it with the song they released. It's so cool. Oh, yeah. See, I'd be down with just doing that version. I'm with you. Because we know it would save us a lot of grief. Well, yeah, because there's just that small thing, although I couldn't yeah. play it on the 12 string. Ah, we'll see. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, listen to that Anthology 2 version. Yeah, it, I got it. Kind so of it's on YouTube of, without the giggling? Yeah, without see, them giggling. The giggling, giggling. Just makes me the so giggling is so contagious. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was just like, oh, my gosh. This is like watching South Park for me because South Park has it, saved me through the pandemic yesterday. <laughs> I, loved, I love that South Park is your pandemic saver. Mine has been Survivor, which is the weirdest <laughs> thing. I've watched 15 to 16 seasons of Survivor. Uh, the writing of this song, this is an 80-20 song. Uh, John very easily wrote 80% of it, most of the lyrics. Paul prop definitely helped come up with the harmonizing guitar part. Yeah. Um, I think that was, he and George kind of wrote that part as it was going on. Um, and on A Hard Day's Night, the Beatles kind of start using that 12-string. This is kind of the the genesis of this song, the birds hear that, the birds base their sound all around that album. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how this starts. It's almost a bird song. And that's yeah. kind of where, where John was headed. And when you listen to it that way, it's like the best song the birds would have ever released would have been this song. They missed the boat there. But, you know, they were trying to capture that American sound. I think we talked about on that on one of the other Revolver songs we talked about. Revolver, they were really trying to be an American-sounding band. And I think they capture that, especially with that first version that sounds like a bird song. Yeah. Um, it's John wrote it about someone who doesn't get John. That's kind of what this song is about. Rain kind of has that theme. Yeah. It's somebody okay. that is... Um, let me, I have to wear glasses now, Jay. I've also lost my eyesight in the pandemic. Those glasses <laughs> are cool, man. I like them. I appreciate that. Good. They're my old glasses, and they don't work as well as I need them to. All right. it's um, <laughs> The light's on. You're squinting. <laughs> yeah, I am totally blind now, bud. It's great. Uh, so this song is closely associated with the theme of rain, which is taunting the limitations of the analytical mind, which, no matter how educated, can never comprehend creativity. And I, lo I love that. I think that came from our revolution in the head book. That's and that, that's a great theme. And when you look at the song from that aspect, it really makes it way cooler than maybe initially it is on your first listen. All right, let's get into the studio where they recorded it. Abbey Road number two, you mentioned it. 420, they go in and they rip off the birds version of the song. They all go home with it. Decide that it sounds too much like a bird song, which it definitely does. Again, I'll mention it probably is the best bird song. Uh, George Martin produces it. Uh, it's engineered by Jeff Emmerich. On the 26th, they come back with this rearranged and rewritten version with the harmonizing guitar part that's released on the album. Um, in, in looking through it, there is early on some discrepancy about who played what. I don't think that discrepancy is there any longer. John definitely plays... Uh, the rhythm part, George and Paul play the lead, the dual lead guitar parts. Yeah. Uh, there was some stuff out there where John said he played it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Uh, well, we we well, now know that. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, no. I just I there's a lot of there's a lot of people on the internet who claim they can play this part correctly by themselves. 
and I'd and rather, yeah. and it is doable, but it. I mean, there are, yeah. yeah. It, it From definitely what I understand, the wasn't. only person that can th- no, that was <laughs> it definitely wasn't John, and there was definitely two of them playing it. Uh, Joe Walsh, from what I understand, always assumed that George was playing that and thought it was the greatest guitar solo ever. And so when he learned it, he learned it just to show everybody that he could do it. And so from what I understand, he's the only person that can play it like exactly <laughs> like the record, just him. Well, there's a guy locally that we both know uh, who claims he can, um, but, but I'm going like to I'm gonna say that he can't. And I'm just going to stop right there. <laughs> I'm going to say, mm-mm. Uh, and then there were a lot of people talking about the, the Beatle cover bands that would do it live on stage. Well, that guy does it. There are pedals that can assist with that. I'm sure that uh, maybe, there, maybe there are dudes in 1964 and Rain that can do that. There was a lot of guys. Well, that's how they do it. Um, if they're doing it, there could be tracks. But if, if they're not awesome. Yeah, no right? doubt. I mean, yeah, it's if prob- you can do that, yeah. kudos. Yeah. Cuz totally. we struggle with it with two of us. Yeah, totally. Yeah, cuz we got all the guitar part. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into that as we play it. All right. So, <laughs> let's talk about what they're playing because we have the Re- Revolver is like a great sounding record. I think you can start to really hear the genius of the studio happening. Uh, and in some of the research I was doing talking about the guitar tone in particular. So, Starting at Rubber Soul, the Beatles get new gear. We've never really talked about this, right? So they were always Vox guys before that. During Rubber Soul, they get Fender Basements brought in. And that could also be around the revolver time. That was initially brought in for Paul, from what I understand. George is like, no, I'm going to use that. He plugs into it, and that's where we get that casino through a basement sound, I'm pretty sure, is what we're hearing on a couple of these tracks. Stop me if I'm wrong. Uh, see, see, the basement stuff. was around. The basement came around in '65, actually, and it, it and it started out as strictly a bass amp for Paul, and then George started. George eventually kind of like, hey, that switch to it. Great on guitar, and by the time Sergeant Pepper happened, it was no longer Paul's amp, and it becomes it was, George's oh. amp. Like at the the concert for George, it's actually sitting on stage. That, that basement. Oh wow! It's a cream basement. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, so it, it's 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 the most recorded uh, amp in Beatles lore. That's awesome. Is a fen- is a Fender basement. Yeah, but the the other thing that they do get Fender amps, but they're Fender Showmans. So they get yeah Fender, Fender Showmans with the one fifteen cabs in there. Uh, yeah, so that's there's what, 115, there's a two fifteen cab, and then there's a one twelve cab that they that and, they all. Like there's different iterations. They they same head, but they're using all these different. Yeah, so they have all three different cabinets allegedly. In in this article that that I, it's it's a Jeff Emmerich article, and they, he was talking about how they were just so disgusted with their guitar tone prior to these other records, and then they really on revol- and you can hear it if you listen. Obviously, it sounds great on Rubber Soul. The acoustic sound especially awesome on that record, but on Revolver. These electric guitars are wow. Yeah, yeah. Right? It, we get these casinos, and they are ripping them through there. Yeah. And he ta- it said what Jeff Emmerich did. He, as I'm pointing at my amp here, he found this like 18 inches away with his with his mic, and that was the sweet spot. And that's how he captured that sound, from what I understand. Well, it's interesting. Like all the pictures you see, like even with the with the Voxes, like you know, a Vox has two 12 inch speakers in it. And you see the pictures of 
of them miking it, and they're about a foot away, but they're right in the center, which is not where the speaker is. Right. So it's like they're they're miking the the wooden like you know yeah. thing the, divider the, the whatever. Tween. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really weird, like how they 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 were not fans of close miking on guitar amps. Now, Emmerich started close miking drums for for that time. Uh, so it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they they had a lot of room. I mean, a foot and a half away from a guitar amp is a pretty roomy sound, to be honest with you. So. Right. And so, so do you think they were jamming those amps up? Were they turning them way oh, up to were, get that sound? They I mean, were loud. Yeah. <laughs> and we also we also get headphones on this first, record. I yeah, think we talked about. Yeah, we've talked so about that before. Revolve those harmonies. They sing these harmonies on this song are fantastic. They're not. I mean, because they start as birds' harmonies, but then they evolve into Beatles' harmonies. They're not Beach Boy like they are on other songs on this record. They're just badass, man. Yeah. I really dig it, and it. And some of the stuff I was listening to with us, Ryan, my brother, sings the pants off of this song. It's like, damn, you sound just like John. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's, yeah, yeah, great harmonies great, throughout this. Great, great Lennon vocal, great harmony stuff on this. Uh, anything else to add on the recording end that I missed? Uh, oh, um, so Revolver, we, we start doing a lot of ver speeding, which means we're, turn, we're speeding up or slowing down the tape machine. So John actually recorded his vocal a half step lower than we're hearing it sound. And I thought that was interesting. Of course, yeah. ADT, automatic uh, double tracking, starts in revolver. Um, interesting that because we've talked a little bit about how like stereo mixes were just kind of throwaways at that point because right. the focus was on mono. Stereo was seen as this like fad that was going to go away. So with... I'm only sleeping. Dr. Robert and and your bird can sing. The ADT vocal is always panned hard left. The regular vocals always panned hard right. That's how Emrick set it up to mix the first one. He mixed those three songs on the same day, and he didn't care. Nobody cared, so he just did all three three of those songs the same way. So that was really funny. Uh, well other, done, Jeffrey. <laughs> other things, uh, Ringo does a hi-hat and a cymbal overdub. So th that start, we start hearing that a lot more in Sgt. Pepper because of the drums start to get lost because of the tape regeneration because they're bouncing so many times. Right. This is one of the first times he does that, and we have a little, during the, during the bridge parts, he does a little, some fun little hi-hat things, and he'll occasionally throw a symbol crash in there so um yeah oh and it sounds I, like it sounds like john has a lisp in this song i think it i think I'll they either listen for that yeah uh say scene seven there there <laughs> it's very lis <laughs> it's very lispy <laughs> anyway those those are my observations uh i th this <laughs> paul is also playing the rick I think I think he has switched to the Rick, and you hear that on this song. It's a very bright sounding song. It doesn't sound like the Hoffner, very woody. Uh, that Rick Model Four Hundred One S, yeah, I believe is the one he's playing, um, which he plays on his Wings tour ten years later. Um, this this song was released uh, June nineteen sixty six in the United States on a record 
called Yesterday and Today. Uh, August 66 in the UK on an album called Revolver. Uh, Rolling Stone rates this song number 78 and its 100 best Beatles song in between I'll Follow the Sun and Because. My question for today, Jay, before we get into our deep dive, I want to talk about <laughs> Yesterday and Today and Revolver mm. and the differences between those two records because the Yesterday and Today record, if it was a Beatle, you know, a true Beatle record, like Revolver is obviously a true Beatle record. I'm going to give you the track listing on the Yesterday and Today record here. Hold on. Cool. I'm I'm so ignorant about the U.S. releases. It's really funny. Like the Capitol. And I'm I'm with you. T- like I don't consider them the real releases. I don't, I don't either. Like they they yeah. seem. F- you can people can look up why they were doing that. It was kind of you know it was the Parlophone, EMI, Capitol Records, all this you know and anyway jockeying, jockeying to get the most out of money they could make out of them. Trying to get the track list. Here we go. Okay, so the track listing for yesterday and today. Think of this as a Beatle record. Okay, Drive My Car, I'm Only Sleeping, Nowhere Man, Doctor Robert, Yesterday, Act Naturally is side one. Side two is And Your Bird Can Sing, If I Needed Someone, We Can Work It Out, What Goes On, and Day Tripper. That would be an incredible Beatles album. Let's just say they record all those songs at the time they're recording Revolver. That is, that's a top four Beatle record. Uh, Revolver also being a top four Beatle record. I don't, I don't know why the hell they did this. Um, like, you know... Are those so people those songs go- are all from uh, at least sixty five, right? Yeah, there's so there's a combination of help with yesterday and act naturally, and then you've got some drive my car not being on the American release of uh, Rubber Soul, right? So right. that's why it appears on the Yesterday and Today record. So the American Rubber Soul starts with I've just seen a face. I have both of my hands up in the air <laughs> at this point, uh, and that second side. It's, that's really cool. I mean, And Your Bird Can Sing, If I Needed Someone, We Can Work It Out, What Goes On, Day Tripper. Wow, what a second side of an album that was. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. the second side of Revolver is, uh, hang on, okay. I'm doing poorly with this. I, I had it all laid out, and here I am looking at it, pausing. Well, I know that it starts with Tax Man. We all know that. Here we uh, uh, Oh, side two, Don't, you mean, of Revolver? I'm just, okay, so Revolver opens with Taxman, Eleanor Rigby, I'm Only Sleeping, Love You Too, uh, Here, There, and Everywhere, Yellow Submarine, She Said, She Said, side one. <laughs> yeah, she said. Uh, side two is Good Day Sunshine and Your Bird Can Sing. For no one, Dr. Robert, I want to tell you, got to get you into my life, tomorrow never knows. Those are wicked albums. I mean, the fact that they could do that. <laughs> totally. I yeah. mean, I, I prefer Revolver, obviously, because all these, uh, this is like a greatest hits weird record. Well, the Yesterday and Today record. I mean, hearing the track listing of Yesterday and Today, it sounds so like, just because I, I like, when you say um, some of those songs, I'm like, oh, single, rubber soul. So it sounds very disjointed to me. And right. like, sort of. It's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. I mean, as far as hits, it's it's, it's quote stronger record. than than Revolver, but yeah, big time. Uh, I'll take Revolver any day, all day, every day. Having said that, 
Side note to our Yesterday and Today fans, this is where we took our name from, not the heavy metal band, which people early on accused me of constantly. It's like, oh, you mean Y&T? I didn't even know that stood for Yesterday and Today for I them. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Man, how the hell dare you ever take the name of Yesterday and Today and blaspheme? I was like, dude, screw you, first of all. This is where I took the name from. Uh, <laughs> I love that word, blaspheme. Blaspheme. <laughs> It <laughs> came from my growing up in the South. You damn blaspheme! How dare you take their name in vain? Calm down. I didn't even know they were a thing to people. <laughs> but what I love about the Yesterday and Today album was the Butcher cover, of course, which was like different than anything else they'd done. And as we don't dress up like the Beatles and we do all request, I thought we're unique like that record. So that's how we got our name. Oh, nice. All right. I do. Mm -hmm. Learning something every time. Not only are we here to entertain, Jay. We're also here to educate. Deep dive. Okay, there's great stuff here. Great stuff in the deep dive. So let's talk about what was the inspiration for this song. And we'll start with Cynthia Lennon, because we have four completely different reasons that this song was written. Okay. So Cynthia Lennon got John a... Uh, says, aside from dismissing as a, as a substandard work, John Lennon never discussed And Your Bird Can Sing. His first wife, Cynthia, recalled that the song was inspired by her presenting Lennon with a clockwork bird inside a gilded cage wrapped in gift paper apart from the wind-up mechanism. She wound up the bird as she handed the present to Lennon so that it sang, leaving him with an expression of sheer disbelief on his face as he removed the wrapping paper. According to author Kenneth Womack, Lennon viewed the caged imitation bird as a metaphor for his marriage and a reflection of Cynthia's inability to understand him. The song's working title was you don't get me. Wow. That's reason number one. I'd never heard that story. Had you ever heard that? I'd never heard that. Which, never uh, heard which that. Ken Womack book is that? Um, you know he's, what? I took that off of... He's an interesting... He, he's, yeah, he's a guy I've thought about reading. You should read a little Kenny Womack. I'm not sure what that's from. I, I, I stole it off of a Wikipedia page. And, no, that's uh, cool. Okay, and I didn't... Cool. I can't quote my source. Okay, let's say it was about Paul McCartney. Okay. The first time the Beatles ever got high, they met Bob Dylan in New York. I think we've talked about this. They got stoned with Bob Dylan. Beatles had only ever really done amphetamines and, and their favorite drink, which was scotch and coke at the time. So they, they take weed and their minds are absolutely blown. So Paul McCartney, who's kind of known to be showy, if you will, grabs Mal Evans and he's like, Mal, I've discovered the meaning of life. Everything I say, I want you to write down tonight. I want you to write it all down. The next day, Mal hands him this piece of paper, and all it says are, there are seven levels. <laughs> you say you've seen seven wonders, and your bird can sing, but you don't get me. So that's another angle, that he's taking a shot at Paul. It also is, and your bird can sing. Can you think of another Beatles song that starts with the and? And I love her. And, love and her. your bird can sing. It's like mocking Paul a little bit. You're just a bird that repeats stuff, but I'm, I'm the one that gets it. There's that angle. Wow, okay. All right. Okay? All right. How about this one? What do they call, uh, we went over this in Blackbird, of course, but what do they call the ladies in Britain? What's the slang oh, for the ladies? She's a bird. bird. She's a bird. So we all know there was a bit of a rivalry or a supposed rivalry between the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. 
Mick Jagger at the time was dating Marianne Faithful, who claims that John wrote the song about her relationship with Mick Jagger. And your bird can sing, because Marianne Faithful was a singer. But everything else is mocking the stones that you guys are essentially just trying to be us, and you can't be us, but your bird can sing. Do you like that one? I don't know. That's a good one. Yeah, he, he, he revisits that. Which, uh, which song is that? Roll a Stoney. Let it be. What? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And dig a pony. Yeah, dig a pony. Yeah. So yeah. that's not the first time we hear that. Well, it that's isn't. Interesting. So, so there's three very interesting. Interesting. That it's not my favorite though. Okay, I gotta go. Oh, with my you got. Oh, here. okay, cool. Oh yeah, this is the best one. Uh, and I'm just. I'm, okay, here we go. 1965, the Beatles released Rubber Soul. Okay, so at the 1965 Grammys, it didn't even get nominated for Album of the Year. So who wins? September of my years, Frank Sinatra wins pop record of the year over the Beatles and makes a deal about it, like kind of bashes the Beatles at the Grammys. And then an Esquire uh, article comes out, and I think it's called Sinatra Gets a Cold or something like that. Sinatra has a cough. Just about how, I don't know how to put this. Imagine what the right writes about Donald Trump, right? I mean, Donald Trump, I, I hate to admit it to people, is a fuck freaking human being. Just like we all are. He wakes up, he has bad day, but the right, he, he gets put up on this pedestal. So Esquire- He's deified, yeah. Deified. So like everything is guilt, everything he touched turns to gold, his plane is the biggest, his, his you know, his schwanz is the schwanzest. So it's an article essentially like that about Frank Sinatra, like seriously talking about that he has a huge uh, Johnson, if you will, uh, that it, he is the most American of anybody because anything this guy touches, he can, he can have. Like he's got his own personal assistant that, that does his, his toupees for him. He doesn't need to have those stupid haircuts that those other bands have. So he's like bashing the Beatles in this thing. And he... <laughs> Uh, written by Gay Talese and Esquire. The article detailed Sinatra's wealth and power, describing him as the fully emancipated male, the man who can have anything he wants, and repeatedly mentioned the use of the word bird to mean his penis. Mm. And your bird can swing, baby. And he calls him out, tired of kid singers wearing mops of hair thick enough to hide a crate of melons. So John was pissed. And so this song is kind of an answer to him, and it goes through listing the things that he talks about in the articles and all the things that he can have, and John essentially just saying, no, dude, you, you don't get it. Wow. I really like that version That's the awesome. most. That's awesome. Isn't that great? Yeah. I never heard that. I'd never heard that either. This was this uh, was an Esquire magazine, the an article? An Esquire magazine, yeah, and I think... About I Sinatra? Think the, about Sinatra and how just how this glow, all, every time it comes up, people talking about how glowing it was, just how wow. you couldn't say a bad thing about the guy. So if I, and I know we have some conservative listeners out there, as they mentioned when they sent us our, their fan mail, yeah. it's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that, no, you, under, you understand what I'm saying. It's not even a political statement. This guy is a normal human being. And they're like, no, 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 no. He's the perfect human male. And he goes after these British guys. And I think John destroys him with this song. I love that. That's awesome. That was the deep dive. That's the things I found. Damn, dude. That's, that's impressive. I like that. Yeah. So, but we don't know. We don't know. John never said what it was about. He would never. Yeah, he, he just. He never he told just us. He just like says it. the song sucks. A horror. So, 
A, whole, a throwaway, Jay. Speaking of which, let's talk about us playing it live. Uh, it is so, I spent an entire summer when we started learning this song um, trying to, I had to memorize it. So now if I look at my fingers, I can't play it. I have to, I have to just not look. I have to just let go. I have to use the force, if you will. And Beatles Rock Band was probably the most helpful when it came to this song because you could really hear the parts. when The way they put it, it's like, oh, that's kind of how you play it. Like, I didn't really know that it was in a, a D formation, if you will, that all that stuff kind of happens around a D, D form in the key of E. So anyway, that's playing it live on my end. I've never played it right once live. We've had a couple of sound checks where I've nailed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we get pretty close, but yeah, there's a, and, and it's funny because I just revisited it probably a couple of years ago, just, you know, because it, it does go away. It's not like, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough it one. Ne it needs frequent uh, <laughs> <laughs> touching. Yes. And so I was like, much oh, like crap. much Much like Sinatra's bird, it needs frequent attention. <laughs> I, side note, uh, if you know, I know we have some gear geeks out there. We use the uh, Axe Fractal Ultra. What is it, Jay? Tell me. You, it was yours that I bought off of you. What oh, are those? Yeah, you've got the Fractal, the Axe FX Ultra, I believe, is what you got. Yep, and it's it's in it's in such a state at this point. I think I bought it from you ten years ago, and you'd already had it for another five before that. So it's at the state now where you can't even plug it into a computer. It's like it doesn't understand the computer. Right. But when I got that thing, you had a setting on there that was the And Your Bird Can Sing setting. And it really made that, like, I could play my casino with your casino, because you had the same sound copied into your upgraded one. And it just, like, together, those guitars sounded so cool. So for that, if you ever hear my guitar tone live, it's really Jay's guitar tone. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I'm completely using it. Let's see. Hang on. Let, I'm going to, let's see. See, even as good as his guitar tone sound, we were still at like 95% on that. And it was me. It's, that was the only live bit I'm going to give you <laughs> in that. <laughs> it's fun, though. If you're going to play it, most you got to have that third guitar. John's guitar part is as important as the, uh, the, the harmonizing guitar part because it's driving the whole thing. And I will tell Ryan to do this. John was playing capoed too, and he was playing it in that D form, and that really makes that song cook. And just a good one to play live. People always get off on it, and I think it's going to be one we're going to start playing a lot more, and we'll probably play the Anthology 2 version in the future. Yeah, that's cool. That's totally cool. Yeah. It's, it's such a great song. It's a great one. I, I really, really have had fun digging in, peeling back all the layers of our Glass Onion Jay as... That is what our show is. It's now time to rate and defend. Look, looking through the glass onion, Jay, today we've looked at And Your Bird Can Sing, and I would love to know how you rate this one. I'm guessing it's going to be pretty up there. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to go 9-3. Excellent. I think it's, that down. It, it, it's a great song, um, fun to play, challenging to play. Not, you know, it, it's sort of... If you're not, if you're a casual Beatle fan, I would guess that it's not one you know, which yeah. I think is cool. Um, 
you know, it, it's cool that such a great song is not all that well known by them. And I mean, what you just said about the Sinatra stuff is, I mean, that's that sums, sums John Lennon up quite well. That just that that, that just so levels John. him up for me. That's <laughs> as Paul would say. That's so John. You know, <laughs> it's so John. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, this, uh, I'm, I'm going eight, nine, uh, and that's, that's an easy eight, nine. I think this song very easily could have been released as a single and would have been a huge hit. Mm. Um, it was picked as the season three of the Beatles cartoon. It was like the opening part of, yeah, of, I read that. of the yeah. cartoon. And every time I hear this song, that's what I think of the cartoon Beatles, uh, well, it's what I used to think of before we started playing it. Now all I think of is, oh, my God, I have to play this song. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, And Your Bird Can Sing is just a banger, and it is an essential Beatles song of the highest order. If it's one you don't know, become familiar with it because it is um, some of the best guitar work, some of the best uh, bass work by McCartney. Ringo, it goes without saying. He gives the song exactly what it needs especially with the tambourine part that's really kind of great in this song. Yeah. The hand, the hand claps are great. It's everything you want in a Beatles song. Like Hey Bulldog, this one's way up there. This totally. is one of those songs that you should know if you don't know. So if, yeah. if, you, if you knew before, well, you, know, you still know. And if you didn't know, well, now you know. <laughs> and that's kind of the whole thing we're doing here, right? This has been a fun episode. Sinatra called his penis a bird. <laughs> it's a bird, baby. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's my pee-pee, baby. Didn't mean to go blue on you here at the end. But man, Sinatra. What, his, his bird went blue? Oh, cool. I don't think Sinatra's bird ever that's went what, blue. What, <laughs> and that might have been what Paul McCartney's Bluebird was about on his 19... On Band on the Run. The second song about Sinatra. That's a great band name. There are two great band names that came out of this one. Sinatra's Bird, I think, is a great band name. And... What was the McCartney thing? The seven, the set. There are seven levels. <laughs> Great Beatles cover band, seven levels. Take it out there. Somebody take that. That's yours. I don't, we don't even need credit for that one. But Sinatra's bird, that's mine. <laughs> hey, listen out there. Uh, thank you so much for listening. It's great to be back totally. with you. I'm, uh, yeah, that's Jay Hansen over there. He's out there on social media, but you have to look for him, okay? <laughs> Don't look. There's nothing to find. <laughs> Not like Sinatra's <laughs> bird, baby. That's easy to see. It's like a bald eagle. And I'm at Billy McGuigan on Instagram, Billy McGuigan on Facebook. The, I don't really check the Facebook that much anymore. Uh, Billy McGuigan on Twitter, where I'll interact with fans of this show on there. We don't have a website specifically for this because we're doing this for fun, okay? This is a laugh for us. We're having a laugh. Are you having a laugh, Jay? I'm having a laugh, you know? So when the band The Seven Levels plays, we'll come see you. Okay, we're both vaccinated. We'll come see your band play Yay, Seven Levels. Actually, yes, I became bulletproof Can, yesterday. Oh, hell good. yeah. I got my Doesn't two, it feel good? Got my two-week uh, waiting period in. Yeah, mm. I'm good. 
Yeah, I'm like a month past the waiting period. I'm hugging people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going I'm to like, see my family tomorrow, picking oh. up the daughter. It's like it's like 2019 Fine. all over again. <laughs> Not again, Jay. <laughs> Not again. Thank you, my friends. Uh, do keep your requests coming. I got a really great request, Jay, and and uh, the person that made it was she was very very nice, very very complimentary about our show. Kind of landed on us and has fallen in love with what we're doing. That just Aww. really that makes me feel oh, sweet. And she wants to hear "Here Comes the Sun." So that's we oh, know God. that one's I thought we've special. Done that one already. I thought we did too, but man, it was when we did it for the Beatles class. We haven't done it in real life yet. So oh, we we can't wait to talk about "Here Comes the Sun." Uh, in the meantime, if you go on YouTube, you can search, I think, is it Dr. Tom with two M's, Roland, on YouTube. He has a Beatles class that he teaches at UNO. You can see Jay and I several years ago. We don't look like that anymore. Um, but you can see us doing, uh, uh, <laughs> trying to do our- You can see us clapping. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best part, the, the, which we'll talk about. It's ugly, but it's out there on YouTube. Just search it, search it. Also on Spotify, I'm Billy McGuigan there too. We have a Looking Through the Glass Onion playlist that has a bunch of these songs, and there are songs that Jay and I think that you should be listening to if you're not currently. So Hey, hey, my, hey yeah. give yourself a plug. Are you on Spotify with your new record? I not, am, man. Not so new at this point, but it's still pretty new. Appreciate yeah, let's talk everybody. about That's, that real oh, quick. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, Billy McGuigan has here, a solo record. I and have I'll, a solo I'll record. To you. Thank you, man. I recorded it McCartney style in lockdown. Um, Rockdown. Or as he calls it, Rockdown. Yes. Stole that. God, that was so good. So good. So, yeah, I, um, I did a 16 track record that you can find some of the tracks on Spotify. But if you go to billymcguigan.com, you can just purchase it outright. Yeah. <laughs> That's my pitch to you. So, Billy McGuigan, M C G U I. G-A-N. That's Billy with a Y, by the way. Nice. Yeah, yeah man. Appreciate it, Jay Hansen. Great talking with you again. You too. Next time we get together, here comes the sun. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs>